Welcome to Bible Study. This is Nick Rita, your host. Thank you for tuning in. We really appreciate your uh, being part of this Bible study today. And uh, from the beginning, actually, I'm inviting you to come along. And you can do that by sending us a text message, maybe with a thought, a comment, which you like to do. I'm giving you the number right now. It's 04888-80831. Make sure that you have this number because we'll come a little bit later with a wonderful uh, offer which we have prepared for you today. Great Controversy Countdown. It's a study guide and you'll really enjoy it. I'd like to say hello to our panel and uh, it's good to have you with us, uh, Ken. Thank you, Nick. It's always a privilege to be here and looking forward to today's study. Dennis, it's good to have you part of this too. Thank you, Nick. It's a pleasure to be here. And hi, Jerry. Thank you for joining us. Good morning, Nick and panel and listeners. It's great to be here. Lija, it's good to have you joining us. Yeah, I feel very grateful. Praise the Lord for that. And Len, thank you for being part of this too. Hello, listeners. We're glad you've joined us. Brenton, it's good to have you uh, on the panel today. And in particular, I always like to thank those people who are... um, uh, taking extra time to prepare uh, this study and to facilitate this discussion. It's a very interesting one uh, today because we are it still, is, Nick. yes, we are still under this uh, theme of three cosmic messages. And uh, we dealt even in the previous program about the good news of the judgment, but we are going to expand a little bit more and learn about the hour of his judgment. Brenton, would you be able to take us through, please? Certainly. um, I'd be happy to do that. And we uh, perhaps need, um, Nick, to give a flag to our listeners that the next couple of studies are sort of going to expand on what we began last week with the good news of the judgment and uh, what we're studying in our current study, uh, the hour of his judgment. It's an interesting thing, um, Bible prophecy, a lot of people like Bible prophecy, Nick, and um, somehow it seems as though sometimes when you study Bible prophecy, people come up with all sorts of ideas and all sorts of explanations that we believe the best way is to let the Bible explain itself. And that's what we're going to be doing in our study today. One of the human interest aspects that um, perhaps we don't touch on enough I think when we're studying prophecy is the effect that a vision that God gives to a prophet has upon that person themselves. And in Daniel's case, the last verse of Daniel 7 tells us that Daniel was worried about the situation. And at the end of chapter 8, it says he was sick. He actually fainted and he was sick for days. But now we're going to have a look at some of the things that made him sick. And the fact that God in his love and his mercy has sent someone called Gabriel, who's the angel who stands right alongside God. And uh, the American senator Daniel Webster once said, and I found this an interesting quote I thought I would share. I quote, the most important thought that ever occupied my mind is that of my individual responsibility to God. I think we would all agree we live in a world these days, I call it the no blame society. It's never anybody's fault individual responsibility for your actions, your decisions and the results of those are things that we don't, I believe, take as seriously as we should. But Daniel Webster recognised that there was a judgment 
movement coming for every person on the planet, and hence he made the statement he did. In our last study, we discovered the good news of the judgment, namely that we learnt Jesus is our judge and we are secure in him, provided we stay in that relationship. We have nothing to fear from the judgment, and I'd like to quote 1 John 4.17, which simply says, "As And as we live in God, our love grows more perfect, so we will not be afraid on the day of judgment, but we can face him, that's God, with confidence because we live like Jesus here in this world. I'm using the New Living Translation. There are various others, but they basically say the same thing. This study will focus on the time for the commencement of the judgment and its importance as we live here on earth in 2023. It's interesting on listeners to understand that the books of Daniel and Revelation are complementary in that one assists in explaining the other. Can I suggest, and Nick, I know you're going to promote this a little bit further down the track. Can I suggest that you study the book of Daniel in concert with the book of Revelation? Because in so doing, you'll get the overall picture of what God is um, wanting us to understand in these days in which we live. Daniel, at the end of chapter 7, is given the heartening news that despite the work of an enemy, the little horn, which is very prominent in the latter part of Daniel 7, we know it as the Roman papacy, which sought to abolish on earth Christ's work as our high priest by substituting a human priestly system of forgiveness and cleansing. However, the time comes when God's saints possess the kingdom and sin is destroyed. The whole vision caused Daniel great concern and further explanations were required, as I stated earlier, to reassure him evil will not always reign and good not always be trodden underfoot. I wonder if we could commence with prayer. And Denise, I'd appreciate it if you would uh, lead us in prayer. Sure, I'd be happy to. Our dear Heavenly Father, we thank you that you are our God and we thank you for your word. And we thank you for the instruction that's in your word and the presentation of the gospel so clearly. We know that you are a God of order and that you are concerned with times and the times that you present to us in the Bible are very precise. We also know that you don't want anybody to be lost and that you are delaying your coming so that everybody has a chance to accept the message of the gospel and accept Jesus into their lives so that when, as the judgment is taking place, we can be found in your kingdom as part of your kingdom. So we thank you for this opportunity today, and we pray that your your Holy Spirit will bless not only the panel, but also the listeners. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you, Denise. We're going to start by looking at what we call the cleansing of the sanctuary. We're going to be looking at this in a little bit more detail a key text in relationship to this uh, particular matter is Daniel 8.14. I wonder, Len, whether you could um, perhaps read the text to start with and give us some sort of an idea as to um, when the cleansing of the sanctuary began because it talks about a time period. And the other question that I had is why should we regard prophetic time, i.e. years, rather than literal days? Daniel was in vision, and we read about this in Daniel chapter 8. And I'll read verse 13 first. It says, Then I heard a holy one speaking, and another holy one said to him, How long will it take for the vision to be fulfilled? 
the vision concerning the daily sacrifice, the rebellion that causes desolation, and the surrender of the sanctuary, and of the host that will be trampled underfoot. And then the answer came in verse 14, which we're going to concentrate on right now. And he said to me, It will take 2,300 evenings and mornings, then the sanctuary will be cleansed. Some versions say reconsecrated. Yes. Well, now, you could take this a number of different ways. You could say by then or starting then. And we understand from further information you read as you go through Daniel 8 and 9, 2,300 days actually has a starting point and an ending point. We'll talk about the starting point shortly. But first, let's go and see if we can find out what it means. The sanctuary shall be cleansed. If you read the Old Testament, you'll know that God instituted a system for the forgiveness of sins, which was dependent on Jesus being the ultimate sacrifice. If somebody realized that they had done wrong, They would take usually a lamb, it wasn't always a lamb, but it was a male, take it to the sanctuary, which was the temple tent, and in the outer court, with the assistance of a priest, would place one hand on the animal's head, and with the other hand, he would slit its throat, and the blood would pour out, the animal would die. Part of that blood was caught in a vessel of some sort, by the priest, and then later a drop or two was taken to the altar of sacrifice or to the altar of incense. Now let's just see if we can understand the imagery here. When the man or person placed his hand on the animal's head, it was symbolically transferring the sins from the sinner to the animal. Then when the blood was caught, the sins was being placed or transferred symbolically to the blood. The blood would then be carried, a little bit of it would be carried into the holy place in the sanctuary, which would transfer the sins there. Once every year on what was called the Day of Atonement, those sins would be transferred right out, meaning that the symbolic sins that were transferred into the sanctuary were now removed. The sanctuary was cleansed. Okay, well, a lot of people have uh, wondered about this sanctuary, the earthly sanctuary, and later the temple, still called a sanctuary. But it says 2,000 evenings and mornings. Well, an evening and a morning is just biblical speak for a day. Some Bibles don't even bother to say evenings and mornings. They simply say days. So what's 2,300 days? Well, it's six years, four months. Well, that's not a very long period of time. And uh, some have tried to explain that the sanctuary being cleansed, which really refers to the judgment, happened in these six years, four months. But you know, nothing fits. The dates do not fit. Antiochus Epiphanes, some people, even in the helps in one of my Bibles, it talks about him. It means nothing because it's all wrong. So 2,300 days has a starting point and an ending point. The question is, 
When is the starting point? Well, we're told in Daniel chapter 9, where the angel speaks to Daniel, who was so upset over this particular uh, prophetic vision that he felt quite sick. Now, I know that um, some people have all sorts of um, versions of this, but I think the thing that fits best is that the starting point is in 457 BC when Artaxerxes gave the order that not only the city of Jerusalem to be rebuilt, but also the civil and religious order be established. This 2,300-day prophecy is a continuum because there's another prophecy linked with it, and that's the 490-year prophecy regarding the God's people, the Jews at that time. That also is a continuum, although it's been quite popular in some churches to split the last seven years off that prophecy and shift it into some indeterminate future date. So if we do the maths and allowing for the changeover of time from B.C. to A.D., the beginning of this prophecy began at 457 B.C. with that order that Artaxerxes gave. And if you add 2,300 years, and I'll explain that in a minute, that brings you up to the year 1844. So you might say, well, how can you say a day equals a year? Well, in prophecy, a day is equals to a year. We have two references that tell us about this. One is Numbers 14, verse 34, and the other is Ezekiel 4, verse 6. I'll say it again. In prophecy, a day equals a year. Therefore, that 2,300 evening and mornings prophecy actually refers to years. And this is probably one of the reasons why Daniel, that really good man of God, beloved prophet, was so upset. He thought, no, no, no. This terrible stuff that's outlined in the prophecy, is that going to continue for that long? Perhaps we'll talk about that later on. So the 2,300 evenings and mornings prophecy refers to years, and according to working out the dates, it began in 457 BC, and it ended in 1844 AD. Thank you, Nick. You had a comment for us. Yes, just as uh, Len was um, trying to put into the picture about today's Bible study, because we are talking about the hour of his yes. judgment. That's the thing. Now, with all those dates, it's not as easy to just grasp it on the spot. You know, um, it needs a lot of uh, study. But what I would like to say here, my dear friend listening today, is that if you look in the Bible, these things are very clear. No doubt about the interpretation of God's prophecies. And that's what it's important for us to study the Bible. That's what we also prepare for you an offer. And I'm going to give it to you now. It's a study guide, the great controversy countdown. You can request this free offer if you send us a code SAB1. To zero four triple eight eight zero eight three one. The code again is 
SAB1 and uh, we'll be very happy to organize this for you. Now, in regard to what Len was just uh, introducing, what we are going to study, one thing I would like to point out, Len was mentioning about the earthly sanctuary, and we are going to elaborate a little bit more about the heavenly sanctuary. Now, many people today don't even believe in the heavenly sanctuary. But the question is this, if that's the case, then how we interpret when God came to Moses and said, now build a tabernacle to be like the image of the one in heaven. If we Mm. don't believe in the heavenly sanctuary these days, then we have a problem from the start. That's why we are inviting Mm. you to consider that we are uh, going to look at some dates today, which may bring some more interest to us all to understand what that means in our study. Yes. The hour of his judgment. Mm. Thank you, Lynn. Yes, Brenton. Um, I just like to sort of summarize what I was saying before. Yes. Jesus ascension, when Jesus went back to heaven, he began a different phase of his high priestly ministry. And then in 1844, at the end of the prophetic period of 2,300 days, he entered the second, which happened to be the last phase, of his atoning ministry. It is a work of investigative judgment, which is part of the ultimate disposition of all sin, typified by the cleansing of the ancient Hebrew Uh, sanctuary. The investigative judgment reveals to heavenly beings who among the dead are asleep in Christ and therefore in him are deemed worthy to have part in the first resurrection. And it also shows who among the living are abiding in Christ and keeping God's commandments and the faith of Jesus. Yes. So this phase of after the 2,300-day prophecy ended, shows Jesus working in a different phase of his ministry. It's a ministry of judgment. And that phase will end when Jesus comes again. When judgment is done, he will come back with his reward with him. I think you've summarized it pretty well, Lynn. I think the important thing for us to remember is that we're living in that phase now, aren't we? Yes. That second phase that you're talking about. That's the phase that we're in. Here's another interesting point. Poor old Daniel, if you look at Daniel chapter 8 and you were reading from verse 14, if we go to the first verse, it says that this vision he was given was in the third year of King Belshazzar. Now, the third year of King Belshazzar was about 550 BC. When you go to chapter 9, where Gabriel is sent, to give him the answer that he's been missing. Do you know what the time frame difference is there? It's about 11 or 12 years. It's not a couple of weeks because it says in the first year of Darius, king of Medo-Persia, which we know to be 539 BC. So you've got a gap here of about between when he receives the vision of Daniel chapter 8, when he gets the explanation 2,300 days, there's about a gap of about 11 years. Can you imagine 
a matter as important as this, waiting 11 years to get an answer on it. I imagine he was doing a lot of uh, praying and a lot of uh, heart searching during that time, as well as what was included in Daniel chapter 9. But I like verse 22 of uh, Daniel 9, Len, where we are told that Gabriel said, I have now come direct from the throne room of heaven, direct from God. I have come to give you wisdom and understanding. In regard to what? In regard to the vision of chapter 8 because chapter 9 does not have a vision in it. So it must be referring to chapter 8. Are there any other panel comments, uh, Jerry? Yes, uh, Brenton, just backing up what, what Nick was talking about, about a heavenly sanctuary, in the book of Hebrews, in chapter 8, verses 1 and 2, that sheds some light on that as well. I mean, the whole book of Hebrews uh, talks about the high priestly ministry of Jesus. Yes. But if I could just perhaps read those two verses from the New King James uh, it says there, now this is the main point of the things we are saying. We have such a high priest who is seated at the right hand of the throne of the majesty in the heavens, a minister of the sanctuary and of the true tabernacle, which the Lord erected and not man. So I think these two verses make very clear that there is a sanctuary in heaven, the true tabernacle. And in the context of what we're studying, that's really important. Um, you used a certain word there, Jerry, which has really caught my attention, the word minister. What do you understand the word minister to mean? Because if I, if he is our high priest and we believe he is, what does a high priest do? Well, indeed, the high priest is a mediator, isn't he? A one who stands between. That's God one thing he does. He mediates. Yes. Mediates. What else? Well, Christ is everything for us, really, isn't he? Because um, he is our, our lamb that was slain for us. He is our mediator, as the high priest was on earth. He is our sacrifice, but he is also our judge. He is our yes. coming king. He combines all of those roles in one, doesn't he? Yeah, he does. And I think that's pretty important. The word minister to me means one who serves. Yeah. He applies the benefits of his sacrifice. So when First John 1, 9 says, if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive them and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness, he's able to do both. He's able to forgive us, but he's also able to cleanse us. Nick? Yeah, I was just going to say, um, Brenton, uh, you alluded to that, uh, looking at to minister, a priest in the Old Testament, he was also ministering. And what was he doing? Yes. He, yes, was, he was presenting the blood on behalf mm-hmm. of the sinner before God. Now, the difference here, where we will expand a little bit more today, is that Jesus says he came not with the blood of the bulls or the lambs or the whatever, but with his own blood. With his own which blood. Which means he, yes. again, Jerry mentioned that, that he mediates in between yes. us and God with his yes. blood. This is very important that he is ministering in the heavenly sanctuary on behalf of each one of us. That's what we are talking about, the hour of his judgment, because we don't want to go through the judgment without the blood or without the mediation of our Lord Jesus Christ. Well, that's true, Nick, because if the blood isn't applied, if we haven't accepted his shed blood, We are not in a saved relationship. Anyway, moving on, the 2,300 days, this is a a term used, the end of time. Jerry, I wondered if you'd share a couple of verses from Daniel 8, maybe unpack it a little bit for us. Sure. Uh, In chapter 8, verse 17, 
uh, it says, so this is uh, Gabriel who comes to explain the vision or that part of the vision. He says, so he came near where I stood. And when he came, I was afraid and fell on my face. But he said to me, understand, son of man, that the vision refers to the time of the end. So this is the first time this is used, the time of the end. Now, if we drop down to verse 19, and there we read, again from the New King James Version, and he said, look, by making known to you what shall happen in the latter time of the indignation, for at the appointed time the end shall be. So he's, he's trying to direct his focus on a time or uh, the time of the end or the latter time. And in fact, uh, once more in verse 26, we read, And the vision of the mornings and the evenings, which was told is true, therefore seal up the vision, for it refers to many days in the future. So now we have many days in the future. Um, as you said previously, Brenton, he was distraught at what he saw in that in that vision. And it occurred to me when I when I reflected on uh, Daniel chapter two, Daniel chapter seven, and in fact uh, chapter eight, all of these have one thing in common, and that is that no matter what the combined forces against people are doing, ultimately God will sort it out. God is still in control. And I think you mentioned also somebody mentioned that the, the judgment is synonymous to the cleansing of the sanctuary. In other words, yeah. God will set all things right and what distressed Daniel so much, of course, was, is what he saw happening to the to the ministry uh, that was performed by the priests in the sanctuary and how that had become utterly corrupted uh, and how it was replaced by another system on earth, which completely undermined, in fact, completely destroyed the ministry of Jesus as the only mediator between God and man, the only one who could take away our sins. And in fact, if you look into it more deeply, what has happened is that the atonement, the bringing together at one between God and man through the through Jesus Christ and his ministry is destroyed by this earthly priesthood. And and that and no wonder he was distraught because he sees not only that, but he sees a, a persecution of God's people. He sees a changing or an intent to change God's law, all of these things, uh, and protracted over centuries and centuries. But the good news is yes. that uh, yeah. one day, one day, it will all be, it's going to be put right. It's, it's going, going to be put to right. The ultimate good news is that this judgment for those who stay faithful and maintain their faith in the true Savior, the judgment is made in their favor. It says so yes. very clearly in, in Daniel chapter seven. And that's wonderful news. And that's why I guess it comes down to in the end, the just shall live by faith. We have to cling to our hope, our Savior yes. is our hope. And that ultimately he will set yep. things right. Chapter seven, verse 27 says, then the kingdom and dominion and the greatness of the kingdoms under the whole heaven shall be given to the people, the saints of the Most High. His kingdom is an everlasting kingdom, and all dominions shall serve and obey him. Praise God. Is that good news, or is that oh. good news? Oh. <laughs> Doesn't get better. Anybody else got any comment on that? Do you think that's good news, that the time is going to come very soon where God is going to step in and... The kingdoms of this world will become the kingdoms of Christ. Yeah, as was mentioned already, when you talk about judgment, there are all sorts of um, attitudes. Being fearful, uh, we just learn about the good news of the judgment. And sure. we mention the words fear God and give glory for, to him because the, the hour of his judgment has come. Now, what mm -hmm. that means, 
that we need to be also in these times, in these days we mention about the hour of his judgment, we need to live a life in accordance with the expectation of God. We cannot afford just to live um routinely so-called Christian life, even though we know that our salvation mm. is because of the grace of God. We don't need to be... F- fearful of his judgment, because the judgment is a good news for the believer. But at the same time, we need to reveal that through our life. We cannot carry on with the daily life in this very important time of the judgment. We need to be in one accord with each other, but most importantly, with God. We need to be in one accord with his plan. What's happening during this hour of judgment and we may we may look at that what that meant when israel was called to prepare mm. because the hour of judgment is yes. come and we, we we hope that we'll have time to elaborate a little bit more during this yeah. program nick you're you're referring to the day of atonement where they all had to be ready on the day of atonement yeah jerry just something further to what you were adding one day i did go in to the Jewish tabernacle um, here in Adelaide and did a bit of research through the Jewish encyclopedia. Do you realise in the Old Testament system you did not have an offence defence attorney? So if I was accused by somebody, my accuser would take me before the judge and before witnesses. Do you know who my defence attorney was? Because they did not have defence attorneys under their system. Oh, I actually checked it out okay. under their encyclopedia. Our defense attorney is Jesus Christ. Is that good mm-hmm. news? Mm-hmm. Very good news. He only has to step forward and say, my blood, Father, my blood. Yeah. Satan can say, look at Brenton Wilkinson. He's not entitled to be in heaven. Jesus steps forward and says, my blood, my blood Father, he has accepted my sacrifice mm-hmm. on his behalf. Yes. I don't know that there's any better news than that. <laughs> All right, Ken, we come to you, my friend. You're going to share with us a little bit on uh, Chapter 9 because um, the first part of Chapter 9 is is a prayer, and we've touched on just briefly the fact that there are certain aspects of Chapter 8, which was a vision, that uh, Daniel didn't understand. So what can you enlighten us on on, on that uh, score, Ken? Well, I'm going to read uh, Daniel chapter 9 and verse 23, and it says, At the beginning of your supplications, a man went out, and I have come to tell you, for you are greatly beloved. Therefore, consider the matter and understand the vision. Now, this, of course, is Gabriel talking to Daniel when he's come the second time to explain in greater detail, what does actually vision means? Now, I think it's worth mentioning, although it is a noun, supplication comes from the Latin verb supplicar, which means to plead humbly. While a supplication is often thought as a religious prayer, it is used 60 times in the Bible. It can logically be applied to any situation in which you must entreat someone, or in this case, in power for help or a favour. Now Daniel, after hearing the message, was sick and unable to continue his duties 
for a few days, let's give it six days, we believe, as it says in Daniel 8 and verse 27, because he was so worried about what he had heard, plus he did not understand it. It is possible, he thought, it was about the cleansing of the earthly sanctuary yes. and the coming of Jesus would be associated with the cleansing, i.e. removal of sin, from the sanctuary. Now, of course, the angel uh, Gabriel has returned to Daniel to explain a part of the dream he did not understand on his previous visit in chapter 8. The first thing the angel says to Daniel is, consider the matter. In other words, think about this and pay attention to it. In the previous verse, chapter 9, verse 22, Gabriel tells Daniel that he is going to give him skill and understanding so he will know what this important message means. Daniel did not understand the 2,300 days, which is actually 2,300 years. That's explained in Second Peter chapter 3 and verse 8. One day is a thousand years, and a thousand years is one day to God. This is also important for us to understand because it gives us timelines in Earth's history so that we can see where we are in the plan of God and the soon return of Jesus. Of course, Daniel would have been relieved now that he understood the message, but probably sad that it would not be fulfilled in his time as the message is for our day. If we can imagine, for example, that uh, we get an important telegram from a family member in some other part of the world, and you're obviously concerned about them, but you have no idea what it means, you would be really worried and concerned. And as Brendan said a little while ago, it took roughly about 11 years for the angel to come to tell Daniel what this uh, message actually meant. So he would be very relieved at this time. I think so, Ken. Yeah, I think you've covered that pretty well. Does anyone else have a comment on that? How do you feel when you only understand half of something? <laughs> I don't know about you. I feel very frustrated. <laughs> I think also, Renton, they say that fear really is when you don't know what the outcome is. Yes. And Daniel was probably afraid because he just didn't know. I mean, if you know the outcome is not going to be good, that yes. in itself is not good, but at least you know. And Daniel didn't know, and so he was worried, and he probably spent a lot of sleepless nights thinking, what on earth could this be about? And he was so relieved when the angel explained to him. Yeah, I think it's a very <laughs> valid point because uh, we are humans, and fear is part of our life. And um, we act many times in accordance with fear. Just look at yes, what happened true, in eh? this world um, in the recent uh, times in relation to COVID, for example. Because of fear, yes. people act in, in very, very weird ways. Now, the good news is that God doesn't let us in darkness. If we are willing, he is revealing to us, but we need to be willing. And in terms of approaching the book of Revelation, and Daniel too, but book of Revelation, many people say, oh, these are books which you don't understand. That's a big mistake. These are the books which you really need to understand yes. because God reveals his plan for us mm -hmm. all in these books. Yeah. 
Good point, Nick. I think the other aspect with fear too, fear often tends to, you tend to lose focus on what your objective is when you're fearful. And uh, Daniel had various reasons for being fearful here. But Daniel, um, it's good that Gabriel has come to share with him. I don't know, has anyone ever um, read the prayer of Daniel 9 in the first 17 or 19 verses? How long it takes to read? Because that's the length of time from when Gabriel left the throne of God and appeared before Daniel. I think it's something like about three or four minutes, very short period of time. In other words, when Daniel was agonizing and praying on his behalf and on behalf of his people and saying, Lord, your temple's in ruins in Jerusalem, what are we going to do? God said to uh, Gabriel, get down there and explain the matter to him. Tells me a lot about the God that we love. Even though this has taken 11 years, the result has finally come through. Denise, you've got some very important stuff to share with us in Daniel 9, 24 to 27. Thanks, Brent, and I'll I'll get a start on this. So in Daniel chapter 9, verses 24 to 27, I'll read that first, I think. Seventy weeks are determined for your people and for your holy city to finish the transgression, to make an end of sins, to make reconciliation for iniquity, to bring in everlasting righteousness, to seal up vision and prophecy, and to anoint the most holy. Know therefore and understand that from the going forth of the command to restore and rebuild Jerusalem until Messiah the Prince, there shall be seven weeks and 62 weeks. The street shall be built again and the wall even in troublesome times. And after the 62 weeks, Messiah shall be cut off, but not for himself. And the people of the prince who is to come shall destroy the city and the sanctuary. The end of it shall be with a flood until the end of the war desolations are determined. Then he shall confirm a covenant with many for one week, but in the middle of the week he shall bring an end to sacrifice and offering, and on the wing of abomination shall be one who makes desolate, even until the consummation which is determined is poured out on the desolate. So we have the the reference to the 490-year prophecy, which is the 70 weeks, and yes. the starting event of this 490-year prophecy was a decree from the Persian king Artaxerxes allowing God's people, the Jews who were captives in Medo-Persia, to return to Jerusalem to rebuild the city. So the decree was issued in 457 BC, which is found in Ezra chapter 7. Now, the Jewish people were given another chance to demonstrate their faithfulness to God as his chosen people. So after 69 years from 457 BC, we come to AD 27, which was when Jesus was baptized and anointed for his ministry by the Holy Spirit. Jesus preached for three and a half years until he was crucified in AD 31, which is referenced in verse 26. Mm -hmm. After that, there were another three and a half years until AD 34, which was when um, the disciples were preaching to the Jewish nation and the Jews rejected the gospel, they rejected that Jesus was the Messiah, they rejected the fact that he had risen from the dead, and they publicly stoned Stephen, who was a God-fearing deacon. Uh, He preached about Jesus' death, resurrection, and that the temple services were no longer needed. 
and the the uh, Jewish uh, leaders were pretty upset about that, and they rejected all of this. They rejected God's word, and they killed Stephen, and that was yes. the 490-year prophecy, which uh, represented them rejecting the gospel and rejecting Jesus. So then the gospel was taken to other peoples and other nations called Gentiles. So anyone from then on who heard the gospel message and accepted it, they became part of spiritual Israel and are part of God's chosen people. And we have a reference in Acts chapter 7, verses 51 to 53. And it says, You stiff-necked people with uncircumcised hearts and ears, you are just like your fathers. You always resist the Holy Spirit. Was there ever a prophet your fathers did not persecute? They even killed those who predicted the coming of the righteous one, who is Jesus. And now you have betrayed and murdered him. So the rest of the verses in Daniel 9 are talking about Jesus as the Messiah, the anointed one. In verse 27, in the middle of that week, he was crucified and offered as our sacrifice. And that brought the sanctuary services on earth to an end. Jesus, the Lamb of God, was sacrificed, the temple curtain was torn in two, and so the sacrifices were fulfilled by Jesus. And he is the lamb who was sacrificed for us. So mm. we can have a direct relationship with Jesus. We don't need to sacrifice lambs for the forgiveness of sins. We can pray and ask Jesus to forgive our sins, and he will do that for us. Great news. Uh, I think that's great news, Denise. I think the um, the tearing of the temple to me, is very significant insofar as um, not only does it mean the end of the temple services, but remember, no Jew other than the high priest could go access behind the veil. But when the temple curtain was torn in two from top to bottom, it simply indicated that we now have total access to Jesus, our high priest. My dear friend, just um, listening, uh, you may think, what's all about all these things? I'm going to give you right now a wonderful um, uh, resource here. It's a study guide, The Great Controversy Countdown. You just need to send us a text message with the code SAB1 to 04888-80831. And we'll be very happy to organize this for you. Please don't hesitate to claim this uh, wonderful offer today because you'll be able to learn much more on what we are just talking about. The number is 04-888-80831. Thank you, Nick. And Len, you had a thought for us. Very quick one. You know that there are plenty of people interested in helping funding the rebuilding of the temple in Jerusalem. Yes, going on at the moment. I've questioned this, and I thought, okay, if they do rebuild the temple, are they going to reinstitute the killing of animals? The answer is yes. Yes, they are. There is a flock of red heifers that are being kept alive for that very purpose. If that's the case, what then, what value is the sacrifice of Jesus? Or what value would be the sacrifice of animals in the temple? It just, to me, doesn't add up. Yes. Thank you, Len. Denise, during what you read, you read a term, I think you used the term cut off, didn't you, at one stage? I'm going to ask Lydia to uh, sort of share with us a little bit on that. Lydia, what does the term 
mean cut off in relationship to the Messiah? How should we in 2023 be understanding this? Okay, the term cut off comes from the Hebrew karet, which means punishment when the person is banished from the Israelite nation. So if we read in Isaiah uh, chapter 53, verse 8, it says, By oppression and judgment he was taken away. And who can speak of his descendants? For he was cut off from the land of the living. For the transgression of my people he was stricken. If we note, the last part of this text identifies with what Denise read previously in Daniel uh, chapter 9, verse 26. And uh, he was cut off, it means he died, not for himself. But if we read in Romans chapter 5, verse 8, uh, he died for everyone who sinned. I would like to read now um, in Romans Chapter 5, verse 8. It says, But God demonstrated his own love for us in this. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Wow. And in Second Corinthians five twenty-one, it says, God made him who had no sin to be sin for us, so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. So he became sin for us. That's a very wonderful uh, sacrifice. So Jesus was uh, felt forsaken even uh, by his father on the cross. So if I read First Corinthians one eighteen, it says, For the message of the cross is foolishness to those who are perishing, but to us who are being saved, it is the power of God. What a wonderful text, Lydia. Yes. Doesn't it tell us that we actually have to accept the sacrifice? It's not enough just to say, oh, yes, that sounds pretty logical. We actually have to accept that sacrifice. And for those who choose not to accept it, it's a foolishness, it says here. That's, but it also right. says that they are perishing to those who are perishing. So I believe our responsibility today is to share the gospel, the good news of Jesus Christ, that the sacrifice has been made for us. If we accept it, we are secure in him. Yes. Thanks. Nick, uh, we have touched earlier in our study on the year 1844. Maybe you can share with us some things that happened there, but just perhaps summarise quickly from Leviticus 23, verse 26 to 29, it tells us something that we should be doing today um, as we await the conclusion of the judgment. Thanks. Sure, um, Brenton. Yes, indeed. Uh, I mean, we mentioned today a lot of uh, dates. And um, we did. it's we not have. easy to <laughs> just remember them. That's why I will encourage our listener to study further, you know, uh, on this uh, important topic, the hour of his judgment. And my dear friend, again, I'm uh, very keen to share with you today um, an offer which we have. It's the Great Controversy Countdown study guide. And you just need to send us a text message with the code SAB1 to 048 
our friendly robot will take you through. You know, uh, it was mentioned uh, before I'm reading um, uh, that passage in Leviticus, uh, Brenton, a starting date of that period of the uh, 2300-year prophecy. 457, yes. 457, exactly right. Now, if we are uh, doing the maths, you know, we, we can find an exact date when talks about the the start of the judgment and somebody mentioned on the panel here the pre-advent judgment yes what that means that means that the judgment happens before jesus comes again second time that's what is important now some people may associate that with when you say advent just to say very quickly advent means coming Coming, the coming of Jesus Christ. Everyone, coming. every single person on this planet Earth who is waiting for the coming of Jesus is an Adventist, I should say. Yes. And the reason we want to look in um, Leviticus chapter uh, 23, and I'm reading from New Living Translation. It says here, then the Lord said to Moses, be careful to celebrate the day, the day of atonement. You see, we mentioned mm-hmm. the Day of Atonement. Yes, we have. Yes. On the 10th day of the same month, nine days after the Festival of the Trumpet, you must observe it an official day for a holy assembly, a day to deny yourselves. Now, uh, just look, uh, keep in mind this uh, word here, to deny yourselves and present special gifts to the Lord. And he says here, do not work during this entire day because it's a day of atonement. And um, when offerings of purification are made for you, making you right with the Lord your God. All who do not deny themselves. You see the word is mentioned again here. Yes, it is. Will not deny themselves will be cut off. Oh, cut off God's people will be cut off from God's people. Now, why it's important, my dear friend uh, and panel, uh, why it's important to understand about the judgment of God? Because God wants us not to miss out on the great, great offer, the great sacrifice which he made for us. But you see, if we are just neglectful of certain things, we may miss out. Even though God died for us, doesn't mean that because Jesus died for us, we will be saved regardless of what we're doing. No, there is an accountability there. And that's why the judgment is happening. Now, we said that um, if we do a calculation there, we'll see that uh, in the 1800s, more precisely in 1844, there was an event there. And uh, very briefly, I will uh, mention this because there were, at that time, there were involved many believers, maybe, maybe sincere believers. Of many different denominations. Many denominations. I was going to say that just to mention Mm. a couple of them, maybe uh, Methodists, uh, Presbyterians, Anabaptists. um, What others comes in your mind, Brenton? Um, oh, they're the main ones. I think there was universalists, congregationalists. Yes, yeah. there were many people. But you know what? Even I must say this, even from those traditional churches, there were people who looked at this 
time, uh, this date as a very yeah. important time, a very important date, because it was explaining actually the prophecy of Daniel, which we just made uh, reference to. Now, I heard this, and um, I mean, just uh, uh, mention, somebody said that the date or the day which change the modern world, which is that date? And maybe people came with all sorts of days, like maybe September 11, yeah. maybe yeah. The, during the COVID or <laughs> other times. Yeah. But actually, yeah. it was indicated that the day which change the modern world is actually 1844. Yes, and if um, if we look at this date, my dear friend, you can just probably search on Google uh, to see what happens in 1844. You'll be yeah. surprised how many things happen. There are certain things happening. And you know what I believe? The Bible says that the knowledge will be increased, you know, until the, the midday like that in 1800s, around 1800s, it was an explosion of technological knowledge. And we know even today we can build on that. Let me just mention certain things which uh, happened at that time. For example, was the commencement of a Baha'i faith, was the killing of Joseph Smith, founder of another denomination. And um, it was the first telegram sent by Samuel Morse. And it was also the great disappointment about uh, those people who are part of this uh, event. Why? Because it was a miscalculation, it was a misinterpretation. They were awaiting that, as we pointed out already, that the cleansing on the sanctuary will happen. And they thought that that's it. That will be the end of the world. This earth will be cleansed. But actually, it was talking about the cleansing of the sanctuary, which means that our Lord Jesus Christ entered into the most holy place which we just mentioned here with his uh, precious, precious blood. Now, again, as I said, this uh, study today, it's a very delicate one with uh, lots of dates. And my dear friend, we're inviting you to do some more research and really study the Bible, the book of Daniels and Revelation and uh, all the Old Testament, because you'll find the answers there. The answers should not come from any person, from their opinion from their views the answer should come from the bible and uh, we'll encourage you to yeah to do that thank you um the good news is in the old testament your judge was your defense attorney jesus uh, is their advocate and he stands for me and for you i'd like to make an appeal to our listeners we are living in the time of the judgment and the cleansing of the sanctuary these are solemn and awesome times but if you've confessed your sins and remain with him, pardoned is written against your name in the Lamb's Book of Life. I would really like to appeal to our listeners, please make that commitment today to Jesus, who will stand for you until that time you see him face to face. Ken, I wonder if you close with prayer for us, please. Heavenly Father, thank you for this time we have spent sharing your word and important message on radio. Father, we are so grateful for your word and that you have told us all things before they happen so that all may be ready for the soon return of Jesus. It is our prayers today that all hearing this word may take the time to look into it, seek Jesus while he may be found. Amen. 
Well, thank you so much, everyone, for uh, your participation, your input. Uh, great study. And my dear friend uh, listening today, um, you know, you can be part of this always. You may have a question. You may have a thought. Please send us a text message to the same number, 04888-80831, and um, we'll be happy to share with that. On the same number, you can receive a free offer which we have prepared for you today. Is the Great Controversy Countdown a study guide. Please send us the code SAB1 and uh, we'll be very happy to organize that for you. Now, we are continuing, uh, as Brenton just said at the beginning uh, of this study, to understand a little bit more about uh, judgment. And we are going to talk about worshiping the Creator in the next uh, Bible study, just to give you some heads up that there will there will be yeah. some important studies coming up, like the Sabbath and the end, a city called confusion, Satan, final deception. All these things are happening because the enemy of God and of each one of us is in business. He wants to deceive us, but through our Lord Jesus Christ and his blood, we are cleansed. May you be uh, covered by Jesus' blood. And we wish you God's blessings. Continue to walk in his footsteps.